Jason Studd Sydney, forecast for literally every motherfucker. I'm Biggie Smalls, back from the fucking dead. Then you will have a great day and be nice to your parents. I'm passing the mic to Mr. Cordy CP. He's taking the shows for a star motherfucker. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, uh, Biggie Smalls, for the shout out from Beyond the Grave. We appreciate it. Um, hey, this is Cody. Um, welcome to Stead City, the podcast for literally every motherfucker, just as Notorious B.I.G. said. Um, this is going to be an interesting episode. Um, Bo basically just quit the show. He's done. He's gone. It's just me now. Um, so I'm going to see if I can do this, do a solo episode for an hour straight. Um, you know. Andrea Jin does it on her podcast. I fucked up. You should check it out. We've plugged it before. Um, but she can just do it. She just writes notes. I'm going to try that. Um, so anyways, Bo, who knows what's going on with him? Um, he's just like, I, I resigned. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe um, maybe we could find some people I'd want to hang out with us today. Um, that'd be kind of fun. You know, just blast out an invite link uh why not and then see who wants to come hang maybe i'll message some bros um i think we can have a a fun episode still got some shit i want to talk about um again incredible intro from notorious big that was very unexpected and really it's just a dream come true um uh yep this is episode i don't know where we're at 267 it's always funny to me when podcasts actually will like list how many episodes they've done at the top of the episode and it's like you know we don't and it kind of gives us the freedom to shift them around that's why sometimes we'll end episode like next week we'll talk about this and then the next episode is just like something completely different and we never pick it up again or like we'll start an episode be like oh remember when we were just talking about this but it could have been an episode from like two weeks ago but it's always funny to me when when podcasts are like hey it's podcast 264 of this show where we're just talking about piss shit and come and fuck Um, like you don't have to do that (laughs) you know it says on the fucking title when you put it up on apple i guess um but yeah so this is going to be an interesting one, and I'm kind of excited to hear what people think of this, because Bo has been messaging me lately saying, Cody, people love your voice. It's why they listen to the show, and he's like, I haven't gotten a single. Not many people reach out and give him that specific thing. So if you like Bo's voice, shoot us an email at studcitypodcasts at gmail.com i think that's what our email is i should probably check it you know what that's probably that's the thing i haven't done in a long time is check our um podcast email and see if we had any entrance um there's been times where in episodes i slip in what our email is and please and like please just shoot us some shit we'd love to just read some stuff but i haven't checked it in forever so why not just check our stu- so we are studcitypodcast at gmail.com. It might be just like me <laughs> um CC myself on Zoom links. Um who knows? Um today's uh Zoom background of mine is brought to you by um a long haired fellow on a jet ski doing a curve in the what appears to be a lake. He's got long hair and a beard 
and the image was um, best life jackets available. So that's real safe. What do we got? We got nothing. We got emails from that's dick all. We got we got emails from Instagram business and Patreon. Maybe this will be a Patreon episode. Who knows? Um, I would like to get started on a Patreon. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think we really um, fuck around on that. Um, and like do some exclusive stuff. Let us know if there's any ideas you guys have. We really just want to kind of like screw you over. <laughs> you know, if you pay five bucks and you want to pay 10 or 20 bucks, I don't think you're going to get anything more <laughs> than just thank you for the extra five bucks. Um, that's kind of my whole plan of Patreon. Just, you know, reel in the suckers. I see people um, putting in the big bucks on streaming, just YouTube, like 100 bucks just to have a little thingy at the top there. And I'm like, what's the point? That must be kind of like cool for a minute. If you have the extra 100 bucks, you can just spend it. And just like maybe get noticed. Anyways. Um, no, I got a couple things I want to cover. Right now it's um May long weekend, um, which in Canada means Victoria Day, which I don't really know what that means, but growing up that was kind of just like the big softball tournaments we would have. Um on Quadra Island where I used to live, this little island. And it was just so fucking lit. It was like the best time ever. It was like super warm. I think there would even be a parade on this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, it's a hoot. Let's see if my buddy Zale wants to hop on. That'd be pretty funny. He's hilarious. Too. He's from Saskatchewan. Um God damn, I got disconnected on my own damn solo episode. Um, also, I should just put out there, Bo doesn't know I'm doing a solo episode. He just asked for the day off. He didn't actually fucking quit. He never would. This is his life. He's going to be that guy when we were like 50, 60 years old. Still posting us on Tinder. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like, actually, like, um, Bo is putting the word out there on the show in, in unusual ways. I don't think a lot of podcasts are doing like he's just literally in his Tinder bio. It's just a little bit about himself, about how great and sexy he is and the kind of guy he is. And then it's like, also I'm on stud city podcast, which that's kind of a risk reward thing. I don't know how girls feel about it. I think they like it. I've, been hearing they like me a lot um thanks but no thanks ladies um and but it's like i don't know we kind of say a lot of things about ourselves it's not like if i were to put a dating profile I'd be like here's my <laughs> my wordpress diary <laughs> you really want to get to know me um but yeah no, you know what? I got something really cool for you guys. Um, so another thing about Bo and I, and we don't really talk about this on the podcast too, too much, but we're both screenwriters. 
and um you know what screenwriting means you're writing for, for scripts for like tv and movies and i'm not very good at writing other things than that um so like i'm not very good a literature writer i did win a contest one time where this is sounds super vancouver connects but somebody was like hey here's a contest if you can write some fan fiction about excuse me about Brock Besser who's a right winger for the Vancouver Canucks you write some fan fiction for about him you can like win a signed puck and so like being like oh I'm a I'm a writer I can do this and at the time I was getting into Harry Potter for the first time which is kind of embarrassing at fucking 27 years old but <laughs> so I wrote a thing and then they didn't respond right away and then i just kept writing it and it got like super erotic and stuff and they're like you won already on the first bit like bit like this is actually well written just because i was writing it harry potter style just mimicking jk rowling who's uh not a good person to mimic anymore but well that's another story you can just look that up on twitter um so there's this other podcast and they do um chances to have your writing on their patreon and i was like well i'm just going to submit anyways i don't give a fuck if i don't get in and like they they swear they maybe they're sort of the podcast so it's kind of like we're episode 276 of the fuck shit piss podcast maybe they're sort of like that so anyways they had an open submission newsletters and the rules were kind of loose so for a newsletter, I wrote um, just erotic fan fiction, and um, I submitted it. I got rejected, and they said it was far too erotic for their show. Um, is it too erotic for this show? Bo can let me know when he listens to this episode. Um, and what a better place instead of an erotic tale than Cal Tire? the place where you get your seasonal tires swapped out and free torquing your tires. So I wrote this story. It's about three pages long. It's gay erotica, but might as well read it. So you, you listeners can have a chance to hear what my writing sounds like. And I can just get this out there because it's just been sitting on my fucking desktop. Why not just give it out on the podcast? So this is called Erotic Tales from the Cow Tire, Volume 1, Boxy Wrangler Jeans, written by Cody Peterson. Uh, this is not based on a true story, just straight out of my imagination. I just, I, I learned that um, Boxy Wrangler Jeans are kind of a fascination for some people. It's a kink, I guess. You can look it up on YouTube. Like people smear mud on their Wrangler jeans, and their Wrangler jeans just kind of make it give your ass a boxy look. Apparently, people are into. So, here's the story. Now we're starting. Every one of these stories are about my time working at Cal Tire, the hot, sweaty, rubbery place you visit twice a year to swap out your winter tires and get fucked in the ass if you're lucky. Not many people would suspect a guy like me to work at Cal Tire. My painted fingernails would get a rise out of the older staff. This was, this was the summer of 2012. Not a whole lot of dudes were trying to pull that off, but I didn't care. 
Lana Del Rey's Born to Die album was on repeat, and I was working with my best friend, and he kept the homophobic hazing to a minimum. They had to respect him. His father owned the joint. Tyson, my best friend in this story, helped me get this job during the school to meet grad requirements. I usually worked the tail and not so much of the hands-on work. I had little to no interest in cars, but there was free Wi-Fi and torquing tires was fun. I loved working that crank, especially in front of Tyson's dad, Jim. Jim, for lack of a better term, was a dilf that looked best bent over a car. I was the luckiest boy in the world. Jim had these Wrangler jeans that gave his ass this boxy look. It was nothing short of like than iconic. He had nicely combed gray hair, great skin, and a bright white smile. After graduation, Tyson planned to leave the shop and travel to Europe before starting university. I thought about going, but the idea of spending that much was out of the question. When Jim heard this, he offered to pay my airfare, and I couldn't believe it. He was so generous. I'm nowhere near his best employee. In fact, I've lost several customer car keys. No thanks, I said to Jim dearly. I like working here. With a wink, I couldn't believe what was coming out of my mouth. I don't like working here. I just like watching Jim's jams and those Wranglers. But what he said next nearly made me faint. Like having you around. Like having you around, Jared, the subway guy. Hold up. I must explain. My name is Jared, and I do love Subway, but I'm not actually Jared the Subway guy. This is a cute pet name because sometimes I show up late for work. Show up late with a sub to scarf down, and thus the name stuck. This is years before we all knew about Yeah. Anyways. While Tyson was off chasing girls in Europe, I had the pleasure of doing late-night inventory count of tires with his hunky father, Jim. It was just him and I at 6.30 p.m., which is hella after hours as we close at 5 p.m. The lights were dim above us. We quietly shuffled around the showroom and back storage areas. We split the duties. He took the back and I took the front. What? How about some music, Jared the Subway guy? He shouted from the other room, breaking the silence. I chuckle. What do you want to hear? I shout back. He comes around the corner and shows his face. He is that damn pretty smile that makes my knees buckle. Play me something I don't know. Something that makes you think of me, Jim says. My eyes nearly bulge out of my freaking head and my heart stopped for a good 10 seconds. Is he coming on to me? Is this the moment I've been imagining for the past several months when I go to bed? Me and Tyson's dad all alone, and he's asked me to DJ. I can't screw this up. There was only one song that came to mind. I walk over to the computers at the front and effortlessly, effortlessly pull up YouTube link. YouTube like I've done it practically a million times at work. I turn up the speakers, Blue Jeans by Lana Del Rey plays. I'm so glad he wore his iconic Wrangler jeans for this inventory session because with the music he starts to sway his hip. He starts to sway his hips back and forth. Well, um, grammar note. Sorry about my fucking bad grammar, everybody. I see his man package stuffed tight in the front. It's as what the kids would say, a cowabunga, dude. <laughs> I still don't think he's flirting with me. Little old me, he could probably have any guy or girl at the shop. But here I am, late on this hot summer night, while Queen Lana plays softly across the store. 
I can't help but sway too, and I find myself next to a tire, tracing my finger around the inside rim of it. I glance over at Jim as he's biting his lip hard. I then stick my whole hand into the tire in and out while maintaining eye contact. What you doing, he asks. Embarrassed, I stop. Did I read this wrong? I'm such an idiot. I immediately pull my arm back and apologize. He then steps forward and says something I'll never forget. What do you know about fisting a tire? Uh, what? My jaw is literally on the floor. Fisting? I spurt out somehow. Stunned, he used that terminology and how fast is this moving. He moves slowly towards me, looks into my eyes, then back at the tire. This is the last season's model, he says. That's never been a problem before. So I say something like, oh, okay. He motions to my piece of shit Honda Civic in the parking lot. These would be better off on the road. Wouldn't you agree? Jim has me grab my car and drive in, in the garage. He's literally giving me these tires for free. I've been running my old winter tires 24-7. This will give them a break over the winter. I wonder where why he brought I wonder where why he brought up this thing is that an actual car terminology Jim waves my car into the garage he stops me from getting out of the car then he races the car up with me in it which is super against the rules and a hella bummer because I wanted to see this man bend over some tires I can feel him taking the tires off my vehicle. My car clunks back and forth. I get a bit bored by the third tire replacement. The fun is about to wear off. Jared, the subway guy, I hear from down below from Jim. Stay there. I didn't want to be rude, so I just said, sure. The next thing I know, Jim had pulled up a ladder next to my car, opens the rear passenger door, and crawls in. Hey, he says in a hushed tone. Hi, Jim. My voice squeaks back. What do you think, he says. Do these jeans make my ass look fat? He bends over his ass forward in my face. My immediate thought was, are you fucking kidding me? I want to marry that ass in those jeans. I want to walk that boxy Wrangler ass down the aisle. I want to grow old with it. I want to raise grandkids with that ass. I suddenly realized everything I ever wanted in my life was right there in the backseat of my Civic, but I didn't want to look that desperate. Mm, I don't know, I say, trying to be cute. He responds, I think you should know. You spend a lot of time staring at it. He shushes me before I start defending my lack of office productivity and, and says he was just kidding. And I'm just a silly goose. I admit to him that I love the way his ass looks in those regular jeans. He tells me that we have to be careful not to rock this car too much because it might flip and kill us both. Suddenly, whatever was about to happen was about to be extreme. I'm not one for autoerotic asphyxiation. I don't know how to fucking say a word, okay? But if you tell me we could die from fucking, sign me up. He hugs me from behind while I'm still in the driver's seat. His large arms wrap around my puny frame. He then gives me a shoulder massage. I was both deeply firm and gentle. 
I've smashed before last summer with one of my with one of the foreign exchange kids. So shit. With one of the foreign exchange kids' friends, Diego, I visited Canada for the first time from Mexico. We got smashed on Palm Bays, and I showed him old Canadian music videos. This time it's different. I'm with my friend's dad, and we could flip this car to our desk. I question if this is really a good idea. Jim consents my hesitancy. He stops. He opens the door. He emerged from. Is he leaving? Wait, I shout. I'm ready. He gently caresses my cheek with the back of his grease monkey hand. No, you're not, Jared, the subway guy, he says gently. I turn away to mask a fallen tear. I don't know why I'm crying. This is all happening so fast. I want to do it, I urge him. He looks at me with those kind, gentle eyes, and without a word, he unbuckles his pants. I see his hairy legs for the first time. Holy shit, this is about to happen, I think. I quickly take off my shirt, and when I can see Jim again, he's holding up his jeans with a smirk. He hands them to me. I guess. Keep being a good kid, he says as he climbs down the ladder. He lowers my car down. I'm still holding on to the dirty boxy wrangler jeans. Jim winks at me, then walks off. As I admire his ass and those fruit of the looms, I wonder how he went home with no pants on. I must have had a spare in the office or something. I back my vehicle out and I leave. Should I have I stayed? Maybe. Was he waiting for me? I'm not sure. But there was a bottle <laughs> but there was a bottle of hand lotion next to my bedside calling my name. Jim wasn't the only person that had a sexual interaction with that cow tire. It's just crazy when your dreams come true and you don't know how to handle it. I think often how I should have stayed that night, but I think I'm better off teasing him. I wore those jeans for every remaining shift I had there. I had to fold up the cuffs, but damn, did I dip it low to torque them tires. Thank you. Yeah. Can check. It's compliments. Frizzy uh, cherry. The one liter. Um, sparkling water so um that was my erotica i wrote about cow tire maybe i should look up the one i wrote for um brock bastard that's actually not a bad one you can do back to back i think uh people would really like this if it's just me reading erotica that i wrote that'd be actually kind of funny um but yeah, so I sent that to this podcast and they're like, it's far too erotic. Um, but however, this is um, well written, which is like a nice comment considering I've noticed a fucking ton of grammar mistakes. Um, what else? Well, let me just pause this real quick. Okay, holy shit, I found my Brock Besser um, erotica shit. So this one, um, if you guys don't know who Brock Besser is, uh, he was like one of our great hockey players for the Vancouver Canucks, a young guy. He pretty much looks like Prince Charming from Shrek, like I'm not going to lie. He's got beautiful golden 
blonde locks. Anyways, here's uh, what I wrote about him. And we're just uh, killing time for this show. And I get the... Um, actually, you know what? Let me pause this again. Okay, here we go. Written December 23rd, 2018. Brock Besser had never been around so many TV and movie stars before. He felt a little lost on the red carpet. Where's KJ Appa, he wondered. Where's that interview kid from the Tampa Bay All-Star game? Side note, this is going to be a very hockey-centric one, so bear with me. His palms became sweaty. He hasn't felt this nervous since Game 7 of the 2019 Western Conference Final, oh God, where they were beat out due to poor refing. They almost made it. Okay, I almost predicted that, but for 2020. Um, no, he told himself. Don't think about that right now. Just enjoy the night best. But there was nobody he knew. The people in L.A. still hardly knew who he was. The only other athletes were LeBron and Curry, and they were both busy being bombarded by stars. Brock gave up on the red carpet and headed straight inside the theater. This definitely wasn't his first time in a tuxedo, but it was his first time being nominated for an Emmy. Brock splashed water in his face in the men's washroom. He kicked himself for not bringing his smelling salts. Nice hair, someone said. Uh, someone says in passing. Was that Donald Glover? You got this best, Brock told himself into the mirror. Behind him, a noise from the stall. Under the stall, Brock could see a red heel. He shrugged it off as something that you know happens normally in Los Angeles. The door swings open. Oh, shit, the voice says. This isn't the women's washroom. Brock looks at the mirror behind him, embarrassed. It's the gorgeous Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, also, side note, I think that was part of the uh, uh, requirements to write this is um, to have Jennifer Lawrence in it. So Jennifer Lawrence is there in the men's washroom. She's in a stunning dress and carrying several empty Budweiser beer bottles. Hey, says Brock. I'm sorry. I'll get out of here. I'm so freaking stupid. No. Do you have any more of those? Brock says as he motions to the beers. You like Budweiser? Jennifer says. Hell yeah, Brock responds. It's the king of beers, they say at the same time. Brock and J-Law blush. I'm Brock, Brock says, reaching out his meaty, muscular hand from doing millions of wrist shots on his childhood garage. I loved you in the Hunger Games. I know who you are, Jennifer Lawrence says. You're a 2018 NHL All-Star MVP. Nice shooting. Jerry Seinfeld enters as the two mixed-gender people converse in the men's washroom. I don't even want to know, he says, the old comedian, before exiting. I don't know. Bad writing. Brock and Jennifer grab four Budweiser's at the bar. How come you're at the Emmys? Brock asks. I thought you were too big for TV. You're right, she responds. I'm presenting an award. Which one? Best sports documentary. Oh. That's the one I'm nominated for, says Brock. I know, says Jennifer Lawrence. I want your video, Building Brock. It's on, on Sportsnet. You can watch this on YouTube. Very inspirational. Very sexy. Brock hasn't realized that he's centimeters away from Jennifer Lawrence. The woman he's had a crush on. He's had, the woman he's had a crush on her since her acting debut in a commercial for MTV's My Super Sweet 16. 
which allowed her to get her SAG card. Their lips are about to touch. She puts her hand on his chest and gently pushes him away. Tonight, she says softly, meet me at the Four Seasons. And before Brock knows it, she's gone in the crowd of tuxedos and sparkling dresses. Later, Brock is at his seat. Having waited through hours of torturous Hollywood theatrics for this moment, best sports documentary. Jennifer Lawrence reads off the nominations. LeBron James for King James School for Underprivileged, featuring T-Pain. Steph Curry for Green Curry Chicken, a cockfighting story. Rob Gronkowski in a Tide Pod commercial. And Brock Bester in Building Brock. She opens the envelope. DME goes to... Brock Besser in Building Brock. Brock rushes down the aisle, passing Hollywood elitists, wondering, who is this kid with the hair? Brock reaches J-Law. She holds out his Emmy. He looks at her deep in her eyes. She gives him the same look back. Brock wraps his arms around her waist and gives her a deep, passionate kiss. She falls in his arms. The world, world slows down. Cameras flash like crazy. Who is this kid, the world wonders? Brock fucking Besser, says all of Vancouver. That's our boy. Seems a bit rapey, I guess. But um, in this, it seems like she's into it. Um, and then there's a part two where I go even harder. There were several after parties. To cho- this is part two. There were several after parties to choose from to close out the night. Vanity Fair, Netflix, AT&T, Dave Franco's house. But none excited Brock more than Jennifer Lawrence's room at the Four Seasons. When Brock and J-Law went backstage after their kiss scene by billions, she grabbed his muscular hand and pulled him to an emergency exit. It was all a blur. Through backstage for Brock, tables of food, people wanting pictures and interviews. At one point, he swore he heard Tom Hanks say, Nice shooting, Brock. Bring that Stanley Cup back to Vancouver. You rock, Brock. But he wasn't sure. J-Log pushed through an emergency exit, and they were outside to a waiting limousine in the alley. This is ours, she said. Brock promptly opened the door for the Academy Award-winning actress and followed her into the door. When Brock got in his seat, Jennifer grabbed his face and started playing tonsil hockey with the right winger. She grabbed at his crotch and stopped. She moved her hand from his groin to his knee. Is that? She asked, not being able to say penis for whatever reason. Ashamed, Brock was afraid of this. Yeah, he says, head held low. The guys are always making fun of me for it, especially good for Anson. That's just a guy. No way. Pull it out, she says. Brock does. His ding-dong is the size of a child's leg. You could use that to play hockey, Jennifer says in amazement. That's what the guys are always saying. Brock puts it away. You probably think I'm a freak. No, she says, I love it. Really? says Brock. He used the scareway cheer he used the scareway cheerleaders growing up and sniz Brock what? And sn- I don't know what sniz means. Brock does. His ding-dong is... Oh, wait, hold on. Growing up and sniz from the canby. I don't know what the fuck that means. With his freakishly large ding-dong. He's never before met someone that was up for a challenge. Could this be what Brock has always been looking for? 
love. And that's the uh, Brock Besser erotica tale. I um, I tried posting it on the Connects Reddit, and it was immediately brought on to a lot of comments saying, what the fuck is this? You're a freak. Delete this, please. So I did. Maybe it, kind of glad I did, I guess. So now it's just an exclusive podcast story. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, it's going to have the water. Okay, thank you, everybody, so far that has buffed it out through my erotica. I maybe shouldn't have led the show with that and maybe saved it to the end because this next thing is a bit safer and I'm actually kind of a fan of it. And it's written so crazy. I'll um, screen share this so you can watch it if you're watching this on the YouTube or whatever. Um, just because <laughs> it's written wildly. I've had to change the names for it. So basically what happened is a friend of mine emailed me with just some crazy ass um, vaccine shit, like why vaccines are dangerous. All it's just like nut bar fucking shit and religious stuff. And so without emailing them back with my own email, I created a new email and just made fun of them with that. And I basically just said that, like, you have reached Q level clearance, which is the highest, clear, highest clearance you can possibly have in the government. So if you're reading this, um, the purple stuff is what she said, and the black stuff is my writing. Um, so I wrote, Great job, Karen. You've uncovered the truth. Us at the BC Ministry of Truth Seekers have set sought out to show this is this is where i really just let loose on grammar by the way that makes do not work oh mass do not work you are absolutely correct on a number of points i have top q level clearance in the province of bc i have been silenced from the get-go from the corrupt polish politicians going further than justin trudeau starting from and this is where i start listing off points she did her first point why are we being subtly forced vaccine passports and mask mandates to get vaccinated for a virus most likely manufactured in the wuhan lab that has a nine has an over 99 percent recovery rate so then i wrote Excellent. Thank you. I wonder this why after my son Jeremy was vaccinated for measles and his testicles swelled to size of soccer balls. Since then, I have been silenced by the corrupt liberal politicians. Her second point. Why is it that Bill Gates, who is supporting the vaccination campaign to save the world, is also a strong supporter of the world depopulation agenda? There actually is such an agenda, and vaccine companies actually hold shares in depopulation agendas? There's no such thing as anti-vaxxers, just mothers and people who have been hurt by vaccines. And I wrote... 
actually this one is true i saw it in a ted talk uh her point number three do you actually know what is in the vaccine and what its long-term effects are on you sterility (laughs) or future or whatever or future miscarriage and infertility our children and I wrote, I am very disappointed in Globe and Mail for ignoring my letters about this issue. The vaccine was rushed and slapped together with clear Gatorade advance bugging system. Um, <laughs> bugging system seen in Animatrix. These have been made, <laughs> made known to make wombs explode when carrying children, when even sniffed from a mile away. Her first fourth point why on the VAERS v-a-e-r-s which means vaccine adverse events reporting system website have there been at least more than four thousand deaths reported from the covid vaccine at least now more than ten thousand in the eu when there has never been more than 40 deaths ever from any vaccine in the given year and I wrote, the cure cannot be worse than the diseases <laughs> Trump warned us. Point uh, five. In Texas, they have stopped wearing masks and have had zero COVID deaths. Uh, deaths. The governor is working on getting rid of mask mandate. And I wrote, in the voice of the roadrunner, now that's what I'm fucking talking about. Point uh, number six. Why did the Canadian public health minister, Patty Hachidou, say to Derek Sloan that vitamin D is fake news when vitamin D has been scientifically proven again and again for so many years to be a God-given vital part of our (laughs) immunity and is even routinely given to hospital elderly patients who are sick? Then I wrote... She's a total bitch. I fucking hate her. <laughs> uh, point seven, she wrote, people from communist countries are seeing so many similarities between the tyranny unfolding here and in the communist countries they escape from. And then I wrote, this is what our prime minister wants from us. He wants us to be in gulag factories, eating cats, dogs, and glue. Uh, Her point number eight, science has proven that, and Dr. Bonnie Henry has even stated this years ago regarding the flu, our masks actually don't help. The droplets are too small to be stopped by a mask. Why now? Is it a sign slash symbolic of compliance and a tool for uh use to get us vaccinated just some thoughts and i wrote masks have historically never worked doctors only wear them because they think they are big shot hollywood listen to the band good charlotte they have underlying secrets in their lyrics and you'll get the gist vaccination is the start of the overwhelming control and mass mandate circus and then her point number nine why did our bc government say on global news that there was zero flu this season did the flu just happen to disappear when covid hit 
This is absolutely crazy. When year after year we get the flu vaccine, I couldn't believe they said this openly. Deception? To which I wrote, and I'm getting tired here, so I didn't write a whole lot. I wrote, the BC Gov actually controls all diseases and viruses at a switch, just like they do with the weather, birds, and baby teeth. Uh, her point number 10. Why did our BC government say <laughs> say on global news that there... Oh, wait, I already read that. No, I didn't. Why did our BC government say on global news that there was zero flu this season? Did the flu just happen to disappear when COVID hit? This is absolutely crazy. When year after year... Wait, Oh my God, I wrote the same point twice. I didn't even write this. But anyways, I wrote back to her and I wrote, yeah, this is absolutely grade A baloney. Wearing masks and washing hands regularly. Socially distancing helps the flu. It's all a part of the BC Center disease control, which I used to run. Um, and of course she wrote, why is it that doctors and nurses across Canada recognize that these many massive inconsistencies and concerns are being silenced? And then I wrote WWG1, WGA, which um, if you're a QAnon person, that means where we go, one, we go all. I think I got that one right. And then she wrote a huge thing about Israel, and I'm not going to read about it, but it's funny that they're kind of these nut jobs are bringing Israel into this, of course. She wrote, Israel targeted was a huge testing site of the COVID vaccine, and many were harmed. And I wrote, hmm, interesting. <laughs> Haven't heard this one. Too busy genociding Palestine? Please respond. God bless. And then she responded with, um, thanks, so glad you agree. You must know one of my friends. And then <laughs> I may have scared her pants off because she has not responded. But um, I wrote, hi, Karen. No, I don't know any of your friends. I have top Q security clearance in the government of Canada. Your email was flagged by the government and was sent up the channels in the attempt to silence you and the truth. I am here to help. I am a rogue agent within the network that connects Justin Trudeau and the news media. I have been historically silent despite all the scientific evidence that shows that this scaredemic <laughs> is nothing but malarkey put on by child traffickers we have no personal security everything we put online is at risk except for this email is carefully encrypted keep up the great work we are all rooting for you follow the white rabbit so this is what i've been doing um i'm supposed to be like actually productive with my writing time and instead, I'm just fucking emailing all these bad shit people, crazy shit, and just tell them <laughs> they're right. And the police respond. <laughs> yeah. 
it's like you know i used to do this with like you know you get bots messaging you on instagram or twitter and it's kind of fun to mess around with them for a minute but it's always it's just the same questions back they're like who are you where are you from and it's like take two seconds look at my fucking bio and then we can chat you know what i mean it's just frustrating but uh Anyways, um, recording in Vancouver, uh, BC, and it's just kind of interesting um, how it's like COVID's over, pretty much. So a lot of people are acting like like I've been doing bike rides around Stanley Park, and you see like large gatherings and parties and shit. And it's like a lot of people have just got their first dose, and like I don't even know really all the facts like i think with the first dose you're covered like 90 something percent then the second dose boosts you up like the extra fucking five percent or whatever um and it's like if you're vaccinated can you still give it to other people that aren't vaccinated and it's just like everything is so muddled and it's not very clear i guess they're trying but i don't know and you see like please shut down like the stuff on the beach after a certain time but i don't know if that's always normal i guess probably not especially yeah i guess it wouldn't be but like we had a dude i was like with my buddy and he's cool but we had a guy that tried to talk to us and i was just like get the fuck away from me like please <laughs> and like he offered my buddy and i mushrooms and uh, my buddy was like sure and i was like no i can't tonight but thanks he gave my buddy a pill. He like reached into his pants pocket, his random Irish guy, reached into his pants pocket and gave him a pill, which had like magic mushrooms in it. And then he was like, you sure you want one? I'm like, no, thanks. And I see him reach into his pocket and pull a second one and take it. But it's just like dirty fucking fingernails. <laughs> I'm like, I don't trust this guy at all. Um, I might have said on the podcast, but I don't like it's funny because i am irish like my on my mom's side and stuff and like irish people i just have like a problem with like not always like there's a lot of cool ones i have some nice friends that are irish but i've been screwed by a, a few but does that make me a racist irish people <laughs> sound off in the comments email us at studs at gmail.com um but yeah, it's just funny to think of a post-COVID world because everybody's happy. And it's funny to think of a post-Bo Bennett world because he left the show. And I wonder if people will be happy about that. It's kind of like opposite post-9-11. Like after 9-11, everybody's like, this shit's fucked. We could all die at any moment. This is so scary. Air travels forever fucking change. But now it's like post-COVID and it's just like, we should all just kind of get sick again. Like, we're all going to get the fucking flu in a year or two. We're all going to get colds. I wonder if it's going to be like, we're just going to stop washing our hands or I'll keep um, washing my hands after touching anything or if I'll keep wearing masks like for traveling or if not at all. I don't know how other people are going to take it. Um. I'm sure everybody's going to be like, everything's fine. And then just get sick again and be like, well, that's weird. 
Or, oh, thank God for normalcy. I got the cold again. Um, I think I've been thinking about lately about 9-11. And you know what? It's kind of, it's, okay, so 9-11 happened when I was nine years old. And now it's been like 20 years since it happened. So I kind of feel like I get free reign to, I feel like the barriers are now down. We can start joking about it again. Unless like, I don't know, you lost someone important in your life. I I think, you know, let's talk about it. One thing I want to talk about, about it is I recently discovered um, in the Saw movies, the first Saw movie is set the day before 9-11. So there's a scene where they grab a cell phone and it says 9-10-01 on it. And like Snopes even said, like, yeah, the <laughs> first Saw movie is set the day before 9-11. And so now this kind of digs up a conspiracy theory. Did Jigsaw commit 9-11? Maybe it's pretty evil. And you know what? There's only eight Saw movies. So it's like, you know, their ninth movie. They could do Jigsaw 9-11 if they were so inclined. It's, you know, it's I, I don't think it'll ever, ever get approved. I don't think it'll ever get further than this podcast, which might be deemed offensive. But, like, can you imagine if you're, like, a passenger on one of those flights and then your like little TV comes up and it's Jigsaw and he's like, This is your captain speaking. In 20 minutes, your plane will collide with a blah 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 blah. You cannot like call your family. <laughs> that is a horrible dark thought. It's not even fucking funny, Cody. But it's just, you know, Jigsaw 9-11. Saw 9-11. No, it's just terrible. That is terrible. I'm glad I say that to the end because nobody's gonna be fucking listening to this till then. Um, yeah, I didn't really see the Saw movies until recently, so that's why I kind of just started thinking about it. I bought the box set on iTunes and kind of going through them. Um, I was always scared of horror movies when I was a kid. That was kind of a draw for me to go to film school, so now I could like watch horror movies and not be freaked out because I'm like, oh, okay, this is how they did this. Okay, like there's a light right there, this is all fake. So I'm kind of behind on horror movies a lot. So if you have recommendations, shoot them to me and we can chat. Um, <laughs> um, but like I used to work when I, so I like work in film now and I went to film school like 10 years ago. But before that, I, I, I consider myself to work in the film industry because I worked in the distribution end as in I worked at a video store in a small tourist island off uh, Vancouver Island called Quadra Island. And it's like the small granola island, uh, a lot of hippies and shit. And it's like 3,000 people live there. But in the summer, it's like nine or 10,000 people. It like, gets really busy, especially with like Americans and stuff. But it was like a sick gig. Like It was like so awesome to be a part of video stores before they were gone forever um and it was cool because it was also like a gas station so it had all the snacks you can imagine all the pop and like slurpees and stuff and like sometimes i'd volunteer to pump people's gas um the only shitty thing was like filling up propane tanks because i was a little sketchy 
but I love the movies and I was obsessed with them and I got like early access to DVDs and stuff. And I could just take them home, watch them, bring them back. Um, but uh, <laughs> there was a stretch. Okay. So one of my jobs I had was I would um, go over the late movie rentals and call people and let them know that uh, their movies were late. And since I wasn't cool at all and getting invited to any parties, I took all the morning shifts on the weekends. <laughs> and I would use the time to fuck with people that I knew. Um, like, not like friends and stuff, just people I didn't really like. And I'd call them and be like, hey, man, your movie's like, like two days late. And they're like in bed. They're like, what the fuck, Cody? Oh, yeah, we'll bring it back. <laughs> and so um but there was one guy and he had star wars episode four a new hope he had it out for like 270 days or something like that like something ridiculous and i would feel bad because sometimes i'd be working and like there'd be these stoners like again it's like a totally pot friendly island there'd be these like potheads that'd come in and they're like, yeah, we're going to have an awesome long weekend. We're going to watch the whole Star Wars trilogy. We're going to do it. And then they'd come in and it's like the first movie isn't even fucking there. They have to start like Empire Strikes Back and just watch Return of the Jedi. Like I felt so bad. And it was just like heartbreaking for me to see this happen. And it was just over and over again. It's like, where's this movie? When is it coming back? And like the thing about it is it was like a limited edition release like it was a theatrical release on dvd so it didn't have like all this like fucking bogus like cgi shit added in later like it was like a dope condition and so um one day i'm working and this like american crew came in like this guy and these girls and the guy just like drops the dvd like throws it at us so they like came in these clear discs you know there's kind of place on the counter and I was like, well, 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 look who it is. And I put the, I didn't put the code in. I'm like, okay, sir, you owe us $289. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you just fucking screwed the whole island from watching this trilogy. You, you got to pay us. And he's like, no, I'm just going to let me pay $12 what the movie's worth. And I'm like, dude, it's limited edition. And then, like, my boss comes in. She's like, whoa, Cody, like, chill out. Like, go take a breath in the back room. And I was steamed. And um, so they, like, dealt with it. I'm sure he paid, like, 10, 20 bucks or whatever for it. But I, I will never forget that guy. And I fucking hate him. And, like, for, like, the cinema experience for everyone, I, I just felt so bad for a year. So even friends would come in and want to watch the Star Wars trilogy. I'm like you freaking can't dude sorry now as an adult i'd probably like just watch lord of the rings instead but you know when it's may the fourth you kind of you kind of get that want to do that um well kind of ran out of things to talk about a bit um just been working um what kind of cool project with Bo? We just got a nice email response or something, so I'll shoot him, shoot him an email about that. And not much else is new. Um, we did an episode with our friends at Second Banana Podcast, which is a lot of fun, which is um, 
with my friend Joe and um, Wes and Craig are on it. And it's um, a really cool podcast where they just talk about um, second bananas, like, you know, the straight man or somebody that's like not the star of like a show or concept or a band or something. And um, I was so excited to talk about uh, Spencer Rice from the show Kenny versus Benny because he is the epitome of a second banana and like but like a very good one like the show wouldn't work without him at all and it's just <laughs> it's just such a great show you should check it out on youtube kenny versus spenny it's my favorite fucking show we can chat about it um but we did a podcast on that and it's like a two hour long episode it's coming up sometime in july but i i yeah i really felt really smart it's like everything I learned during my high school times outside of high school, I got to finally like apply it for something. So I just went, um, ham on that. So that was fun. Um, we're getting close on to an hour. Um, I'm sorry for the nine 11 riff. I'm sorry for the erotica. I'm sorry to Bo. Um, sorry to everybody really sorry to humanity for having to listen to the solo episode it's been a rocky ride but i think we got there um oh i want to give another podcast shout out it's called forgive us and it's made by danica Thabul. i think i'm pronouncing that right and nathan hare who they're both very funny you check them online <coughs> but they have like three episodes out and they're really good i'm pretty impressed they're really funny i hope to have them on the podcast sometime um Hey, if you're watching this video, check out my t-shirt. So it's um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Britney Spears, and Link. And Link looks like he's smoking a pipe. And underneath it, it says Yu-Gi-Oh. <coughs> so, yeah. Well, I hope you have a great week, everybody. Hope you have a great day. You can follow me at Cody, at Cody Blanked Out. You can follow Bo at... <coughs> Ochi mama. Well, Bo at POTUS. Oh my God. I hope that guy that was talking to me last night didn't give me COVID. No, I'm vaccinated. I'm fine. I can still taste so. And it's just like maybe it's because I was uh, near a secondhand smoker. We'll put it that way. There you go. So my throat's all itchy. Am I getting hot? No, it's the light that's on me. I'm fine. I'm fine, everybody. Okay. Bye. Yeah. You're now entering the mode of the notorious Biggie Smalls. Junior Mafia Click representing. This one going out to Brooklyn. Y'all know what time it is. It's going out to all the gangsters, all the pimps and players, hoes and bitches. Y'all know what time it is. So this is what I want y'all to do. I want y'all to grab y'all Dutch masters and y'all white ass and y'all fillies. Mm. Get you a fat sack, a pint of Hennessy, and lay back. I'm gonna do this one for my man, Mr. C, representing all day, every day. And all you other cake niggas and bootleggers, stay in the house, because Brooklyn got this shit locked down. So anytime you're ready, Mr. C, we're gonna get hardcore on these homos. Like I said before, Junior Mafia Click, hardcore, uh, representing 
Biggie Smalls in the house, huh? Check it, huh? Biggie Smalls is the wickedest. Nigga say I'm pussy, I dare you to stick your dick in this. If I was pussy, I'd be filled with syphilis. Herpes, gonorrhea, chlamydia, getting rid of ya. Got it locked like the penitentiary. Niggas mention me for MC execution. Who you choosing? The whack MC or the black fat MC? Jack Dempsey will start shaking all his taking. There's some marijuana and I'm making. MCs break fast like flatjacks and bacon. Back spins the windmills. Who's still the gin drinker? Ill thinker. Exploding when the paper hits the ink. Uh, take it against the chronicles. Turn the page 666. All Holocaust, big the merciless, niggas press they luck in, they get a butt fucking, straight up the ass, raw dog with the rash, and I don't fuck with the condoms, the condoms is the problem from the AIDS getting sprayed, diseases, big pleases, MCs across the seas, it's just the way I crush my prey, hey, I'm crazy and deranged, blowing niggas out the frame, simple and plain, but getting back to the black rhinoceros of rap, big took a loss, how preposterous is that nigga, recognize. Notorious Biggie Smalls, 94, ready to die. Y'all niggas hold y'all heads. Mr. C, set it off, baby pop.